Hey there, I'm Lindsay Zarniak, and this is Players, conversations with country artists about their interest in sports. This week's guest is Lee Bryce. He is a superstar, by far one of the most talented singer-songwriters in Nashville. He's a CMA award winner, also a Grammy nominee. But why I love this conversation so much was we got to peel the layers of this onion, and this guy is so interesting. His song, Rumor, is out there on radio right now, getting a lot of play. Uh, But he invited me to his concert to his farm, which is just outside of Nashville. So I want to paint you a little scene here because we pull up you know, outside the gate and it's this gorgeous land, beautiful little farmhouse, but you know, the gravel, you can hear it as you're pulling up the driveway. We couldn't find Lee, right? So we pull up and, and I was like, where is this guy? I am not even making this up. Uh, he pulls around the corner, you know, gravel dust flying through the tires of his souped up ATV. He's on his ATV. He gets up. I swear to God, he's got this mason jar in his hand filled with ice water. And he says, oh, so sorry I'm late. I was I was out shooting buzzards at his pond because he's got a pond on his farmland and the buzzards were getting the fish. So Lee, you know, being a hardworking, awesome country guy that he is, uh, takes care of himself. And I knew from that instant, you know, not only because I'm really intrigued about talking about his sports connections, but also because this is definitely a person that I can tell I want to spend a lot of time with because there's so much to learn. Um, he was awesome and so welcoming right from the start. He actually had the opportunity to pursue an NFL future. He uh, he was a walk-on at Clemson, and he made it as a starter. And that was something that a lot of people told him he couldn't do. So his story is definitely one of perseverance. But, man, it's, it's also one of family and challenges along the way. I found his stories about making it in Nashville just as interesting as his stories about making it on the football field at Clemson. Um, he also is just insanely funny and his stories about digging ditches with his daddy and how he wooed his wife were highlights for me in this conversation. So if you love his music, you're going to love this. If you're not even that sure about what he's about, I think you're going to love him even more. Here's my conversation with Lee Bryce. Uh, so your your cottage out here is amazing. <laughs> what goes on out here? What do you... Well, do? so, you know, this is where eventually we want to build up house out here uh kind of up on this hill behind us um so for now we'll come out and as a family we'll come stay out here for the weekend or you know for the night or you know or if we have guests and my parents or whatever they'll come stay out here um but right now probably the most use it's getting is i write out here a good bit so like this room we're sitting in is kind of the dining room but i'll take this table and move it over and put speakers on it and get my engineer in and i'll set up some amps and guitars and you know, we just write, I'll write all day, record a track right wow. down here. And before I leave this room, we'll have something that sounds kind of like a record done. You know what I mean? That night. That, and uh, One day. Yeah. I mean, from start to finish. And so, I mean, you know, we'll continue to work on it, you know, and make it, you know, but, but it's pretty cool what you can get done if you really just kind of start and like, go for it. Don't stop, you know, you know, I mean, really dive into it head first and just don't stop until you get to a point of, okay, we got this thing kind of, you know, in the basket. So what does that look like for you? Is it like you're, you know, you come and you get out all your stuff set or, you know, like for me, I'd have my, my coffee there. My, you yeah. Know, I mean, I kind of, I kind of do. So, um, I've got a, I've got this awesome young, not, he's really not young kid. He's 
probably 25, but <laughs> <laughs> he's a puppy, but, but he, um, but he, I have him full time on as like my engineer. So if I ever, if I'm writing a song or if I'm in the studio or if I'm at, I need to be at my house or set up a little studio somewhere else or on my bus where I have a full studio set up so that I can get work done on the road. And we talked about that earlier, but, um, I have him come out the night before and set up. And so he'll have a bass over here and an electric guitar, and I'll have my computer set up over here, and I'll have coffee set up for the whoever's coming in. If I got it, one or two writers coming in, and when they walk in, we're ready to rock. So we just start going, and I'll just pull out the keyboard and maybe start a groove, and you know, and we just kind of start talking about ideas, and you know, sometimes it's a it's a groove that inspires an idea. Sometimes it's an idea that inspires a groove or a melody, or you know, you mm-hmm. just never know what's going to happen that day. You know. And do you always um, have your water in mason jars? Because I'm looking <laughs> yeah. at you right now. That ice water—it's amazing how much better it looks. When it, and, you know, <laughs> and it's coming jar. out of a well. Mason jars—I mean, they're just—reminds oh, me of my granddaddy. Uh, so you know. He drank milk out of my head. I mean, right out the cow into a mason jar. <laughs> into a mason jar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. Tell me about your family. And also, you know, I know we obviously, Lee Bryce, people hear about you and they think about all the, you know, the hits you have and everything. Mm. But I know that sports is a big passion of yours. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was it was always football and and music, you know, my whole life, you know. It was kind of two passions for me, you know. And sports in general, but football, you know, because I – my daddy, you know, he got recruited to go play at Clemson, you know, but he ended up staying home and having a family. And Did uh, he want to play? I mean, he wanted to play, but I guess he wanted to be at home with Mama more, you know, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> awesome. uh, uh, but so with that said, I mean, you know, where I'm from in Sumter, back in those days, I mean, he was the man, you know, he was a running back. He was just, he was just the man he was he was awesome and so i heard all the stories all my life and so you know i was proud of my dad i wanted to go play you know football mm-hmm. at clemson what kind of things did you hear what kind of stories i mean just you? that he was he had this crazy speed and that he that he you know was um kind of tenacious when it came to like you couldn't bring him down he was just very hard-headed and very uh i just and i could see all that in him you know just as a person you know like he he'll never give up, you know, uh, at anything. Even to this moment, you know, he's got an electric. He's an electrician. He's got a big electric company back home, and he should be retiring. But he just keeps working. And I'm like, Daddy, you just need to stop, you know. And he's like, <laughs> right. he's like, No, I mean, I got to get this, you know. I mean, and so, and through the years, we're growing up working for him, you know. When I first started working for him, across, I was like ten or twelve, you know, digging ditches and. He started that, started his little business. It was a small little business, you know, had to have ditches dug. And so I was his ditch digger, you know. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I would get 20 bucks to dig a ditch. Now, sometimes that ditch was two (laughs) feet long and sometimes it was 80 feet long. But I got 20 bucks either way. And there were times when I got a little older, you know, you know, and he'd leave me at a site and be like, all right, I'll, you know, dig this ditch and I'll be back and then we'll finish up the job. I remember one time he he said, "All right, we need it from there to here." And it was like a it was only about a twenty foot ditch, but it was kind of like right in the middle of downtown Sumter. Only a twenty and foot ditch. I mean, that's a yeah. massive ditch. Well, right? Yeah, yeah, but I did it all. Well, it depends on the the, the dirt, which is what I'm about to get to. Okay. This okay. was downtown Sumter, and an old like Mister Muffler parking lot, and so the ground was so hard. 
I mean, it like was bending the front of my shovel. I mean, I couldn't, you know, so he, so he comes back and he throws out like a pick and a spade and like, you know, he's like, well, my daddy, but it will not, I, it, you know, it's sparking. I mean, you know, like he's throwing out different I'm instruments like, yeah, for you to use, heavier tools. duty stuff. I'm like, well, daddy, I, I just don't know if <laughs> I'm going to do this. He's, I, well, I know I was probably, I was probably 14, 13 okay. or 14 okay. at this time. He's still very young. But he's like, well, I'm sorry, son. Like it has to be Doug. You know what I mean? So there was no, it, you know, I just, I just don't know if it can work, Daddy. I don't know if I can do it. You know, there was, there, the, he just, that was not in his mentality and it still isn't. It's like, no, we'll figure out a way. You got to figure out a way. You know, if you got to get, if whatever we have to do, we got to get that ditch dug. And so that day, I remember it was a hot day, like July. I'm out there just chipping away at this thing for like four hours he'd keep popping back by you got it yet <laughs> nope <laughs> i'm only six inches down i gotta get it to 18 inches or 24 inches so but, when you're digging a ditch i mean what what is that like what is the <laughs> correct way to dig a ditch well i mean you know you got the shovel and so you know you got your you got to have boots on you know because you're you got to press down on that shovel and the back of the shovel and mm -hmm. Get it down to the dirt and then wiggle it loose and pop it out. And obviously, don't throw your dirt too far because you got to put the dirt back in the hole after you put whatever it is in that ditch. And so, and I remember that's some of the first lessons I learned. I'm sitting there digging and he, I'm throwing the dirt. You know, he's like, "Why are you throwing the dirt all the way over there?" He's like, "You got to get find that dirt from somewhere to fill this <laughs> thing back up." He's like, "So if I were you, I'd put the dirt right beside the hole." So you learn that lesson quick when you're digging ditches. <laughs> so well, so he's a, he was a perfectionist, right? He's a perfectionist, and, and he's just he just was a a go getter and um, a figure it out kind of guy. It's like if he had never done it before, he'd figure out how to do it. You know what I mean? Um, that's so a, a, a determination was a big thing with him, and you know, and I think that kind of came you know into sports with me, you know, and. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not big enough, or I'm not strong enough, or I'm not fast enough for whatever it may have been that I was going to do. But, well, figure it out. Like, work harder, you know, um, find another way. And so that's kind of how I always got through and, you know, succeeded in, you know, as much as I did, you know. So Clemson, did that yeah. become a serious goal for you? Yeah. Was it because of your dad? Yeah, it was really because of daddy. And then, you know, when you grow up in South Carolina, you're either a Gamecock, mm -hmm. you know, or a Clemson Tiger. And we were Clemson Tiger, bleed orange all the way. And then, you know, daddy never got to go uh, uh, and play, you know, so I was, that was always my goal as a kid, you know, and I was like, I want to be Superman. Well, I want to be, I want to play for Clemson. Okay. And, when I was in high school, I got recruited heavily by a bunch of smaller D1 schools and a lot of D2 schools to play linebacker and offensive line. And like who? Like what, what school? I mean, everybody from Columbia University to, um, you know, a bunch of schools in the Carolinas and James Madison Indiana University, which is and, where I went. You know, no, yeah. no. <laughs> we'll play, yeah, I mean, okay. a lot of places like that, D2, uh, smaller yeah. D1 schools. But it would have been fun to go do some of that. Um and I got recruited by, by a lot of the the big D1 schools, too, including Clemson, from my sophomore year on. But then when it got down to, like, my s senior year, uh, and I had well, gone and done a few visits to, like, um, Clemson and North Carolina, 
and uh, South Carolina, actually. I didn't want to even go on that visit, but. <laughs> You're offending half of my family I'm like, right I'm now. Like, so I got to let her go. Just, you know what I mean? So we went. But, I mean, it's a, ni- it's, it's yeah. a nice place. It's a nice right? place. You can you admit know? that. And, and you know, sort of? if that was no. the only, of course it is. But that's, it's like, <laughs> I, how can you go to be a game well, I mean, you're, no, your father would have. Well, he was with me. He's like, no, we're going to go. We're going to, you oh, know. Oh, really? You know, we're going to, you know, visit the school. It's an official visit, so it's nice. Um, but when I got down to like the end of my senior season, you know, when those, those top tier schools start dwindling down their, their recruiting list, it gets tight, you know? And so, um, I still had plenty of offers to other schools, smaller schools, but Clemson, basically they said, look, um, you know, we still want you to come here. We think you can, um, succeed here, but you're going to have to come, you know, the first year. And if you can, if you'll come and walk on, so like an invited walk on, if you'll come and do what we think you can do, then, you know, we'll be able to work out a scholarship, you know, later down the road. I'm like, all right. And so one thing, my high school coach, like I love my coaches growing up. They all have their, you know, (laughs) their pros and cons, you know, looking back. But, uh, my, um, my high school head coach, football coach, he was like, look, Lee, He's like, you're just not big enough to play offensive line at Clemson, and you're not you're not fast enough to play linebacker there. So just look at all these other schools that want you. You need to go take your free ride, and just go do this. You just you're just not going to be able to do it at Clemson. Because your position th- was what? I mean, like, I was. I mean, I played everywhere. I didn't come off the field in high school, so okay. I loved defense. I loved playing inside linebacker. But granted, I probably was a step too slow to play at Clemson inside linebacker. And I was probably, you know, an inch too short. I mean, I'm six, I'm six three. You know, to play to play at that level, I probably could have, I could have, which I ended up doing at Clemson. Uh, but but when he said that, when he said you're just not, you're not big enough, and you're not fast enough to do, to do either or, so just take your other options. You know, go. That's when I was like, well. Thanks for making my decision for me because I'm going to Clemson. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I'm going mm-hmm. to Clemson and I'm going to walk on and I'm going to I'm going to play. And so that's what I did. So I went and What'd your dad um, think about that decision? And so and daddy, I mean he supported me. I mean he loved the fact that I was going to go to Clemson. He um he loved the fact that I mean I went there and I was working out, you know, through the spring and then when we had the walk on stuff, uh it was like I can't remember how long the total walk on program was. But I did about half of it, and then um, and it was tough because they're trying to make they're trying try, those a walk on program. You know, when you're trying to walk onto a team, they're trying to make you quit. That's they're just they're weeding out the people who really want to be there and who don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, but so it was rough um, the first those first few weeks. I think I was there for five or six or seven weeks of the of the program, and then they were like, okay, Bryce. You don't. You're done. You're you're on. So, so then when I was on the team, so then I immediately um, the long snapper that had been there was from Manning, South Carolina, which was like 15 minutes down the road from where I grew up, and he had been there snapping, long snapping, from like from the first down of his freshman year to the last down of his senior year, never had a bad snap. He was on the cover of I think it was Sports Illustrated. Uh, his last name was Bench, mm-hmm. and. Um, he was sitting on the bench and they did this whole story on him. How he was like the best long snapper, like in history. Right. So he had just left the year before and I was coming in 
And so he kind of took me under his wing and was like, hey, all right, so let me show you how to really do this. Because I had long snapped through high school because I could, you know, I figured it well, out. You know I, why? Because you dug ditches. That's right. You know, right? I just, that's no, what I'm saying. I just, really well, who can, similar, when, when you're starting right? out in middle school, they're like, so, all right, who's going to snap the ball? I'm like, well, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'll figure yeah. it out. You know, otherwise, a lot of other teams, you'd see the quarterback down there snapping a ball between their legs for to the punter because they were the who you know throw quote throw the ball well I, I snapped and i learned how to snap through high school but then when i met him at clemson uh through that spring and that first summer i, I worked with him and he taught me i mean he could tell you how many rotations there were going to be in a you know in a he could he told me he's like look some punters might want it uh three feet out in front of them. Some of them want it to the right of foot. Some of them want it high. Some of them, depending on, I mean, they're all different and you got to be able to put it there and you got to be able to put it there fast. And so, uh, it was cool, like how that worked out. And so then I worked my way up to the starting position. And then like right before the, the first game, I, I had been snapping like crazy. I mean, I just was like psycho about it. I was like, I want to be the best, you know, I want to be, and and I wanted to, and I was also kind of rotating in at center, you know. So I'm over mm-hmm. the offensive line, and I'm also snapping. But I guess I was hyper extending my arm every time I snapped. So I was snapping four or five hundred times a day. And so, long story short, I woke up one day and my my, elbow, my arm wouldn't like straighten out. My right arm would just it just was stuck, you know, kind of oh like gosh. bent, like an action figure. And I'm like, what's wrong with my arm? So. Um, I went and, you know, they said, well, go get it checked. And, and, uh, so they, they were like, look, you've somehow all the cartilage, you just destroyed it all in your elbow. So I guess I was hyperextending it as I was coming through my legs, you know, instead of turning my hand over, you know, and letting my arm bend back in. And so I immediately, they're like, well, you are a long snapper. So get in, go to like, they sent me straight to surgery, like the next day. And, um, so had surgery and then I was and it took a while for it to really be able to heal so through that season um um I had started to just throw left-handed because just because I could I was at practice I was like well I'm just gonna throw left-handed and start practicing left-handed because I didn't have to do much with my right arm when I was throwing the ball left-handed we did a lot of drills and stuff Mm -hmm. like over the head and all this stuff so I was I started to so I actually worked my way back up through the depth charts of long snapper oh to to the number two position snapping left handed, and there were like five long snappers on the team. So, <laughs> and what were a, they saying? Are they they're like, like Man, what are you doing? Who are what are you, you doing? But then I'm like, <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? Whatever, da da da. And then that, but they're like, wow. So then I just, you know, I just put it in my head. You're gonna figure this out. And so I mean, at, at, at first it was just a challenge for me. It's like I don't want to just be here doing nothing. You know what I mean? Because I couldn't do anything with my right arm. And uh, so I did that. And so I was, it was sort of second year in. I got through sp- spring, the spring, and I was like, my right arm just still, like to this moment right now in front of you, when I mm-hmm. lock my arm out, it hurts. Like it's bone on bone because there's no, they basically took all the cartilage out. There was nothing they could really do with it. So it just never was the same, you know? And, uh, I, you know, I took a, a year, I came home and, and did some classes at home. And I went back to Clemson for a year. Um, and then I was like, you know, I was like, so music always was like a, a big, humongous part of the depths of me. And so I just kind of one day I, for spring break, I decided to go visit Nashville. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
a friend actually who was working up there for a managing a management company, Alan Jackson's management company actually, um, had said, "Hey, you just come up and visit us for spring break and just see Nashville," because she had heard me sing and stuff before and. And growing up, writing, that was know. like church singing. And yeah, writer. well, and, I, and I, well, she had heard me also. I had had a band um, that I had started um, in Sumter, and it kind of blew up. And half of it was my original stuff that I had written, you know. And and it kind of was getting really popular through Columbia. We played in Columbia and Charleston and Sumter and Florence and all around the kind of the Midlands. And that was before you got to Clemson. Yeah. Well, no, this is kind of during Clemson. Same time. Yeah. So you're long snapping and, and you're so doing I was the long band. snapping. So and then but then I was kind of <laughs> you're long snapping right and left handed and, and then you're <laughs> singing and then you're writing songs. Well, so I just it came to a point where I was like, I know I'm not going to be able to play football like I know I'm not gonna be able to do this like I really wanted to do it it's now that I'm, I mean I just got hurt to a point where my arm's not just not gonna be the same and so that's when I decided to when I visited Nashville um, I immediately fell in love with Nashville and was like this is where I gotta be so it was funny like um, that was spring break and so I <laughs> I basically Went home and like packed my stuff and just moved, just moved to Nashville and stayed with a bud, like a friend of a friend. It was never there, their apartment for the rest of that, that whole, that, that season, that spring, that summer. And, uh, and then I was officially, I got me in my first apartment and, um, actually the first day I woke up was September 11th, uh, the day the buildings were coming down. It was like the, my wow. first day in Nashville. And, but I just knew I needed to be here. So, I mean, that, but that was a whole new start for me. And football was like now, but one thing that I was able to say was that I did walk on and I did, I did get a starting position and I did do the things that my coach said that I couldn't do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and I had a ball and I, I ran down the hill a bunch, you know, yep. and <laughs> uh, it just was something for me to be able to say that I've, I was able to do it. You know what I mean? Um, Which is a much an, steeper hill, by the way, than oh, I think people probably yeah, think, right? People have no idea. <laughs> Definitely can't do that in wedges. Don't jump too high when you're going to do your little jump. Because you're like, whoa, I'm yeah, six right. feet off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> well, so but that's cool. I mean, so you're saying, so that was enough? That was that it. Was well, it was, you. yeah. Because I had, and when I was there at Clemson, some of the, the, the uh, my coach at Clemson was, was like, look, man, he's like, out of all the snappers we have, you know, if you work, keep doing things you're doing, he's like, you have kind of the speed to be able to – because now in the NFL they're looking for somebody who can not just long snap. They want you to be able to do something else, be a backup something, you know, tight end, fullback, something, you know, mm-hmm. lineman. Just they want a little bit more out of you than just to be the guy to go long snap. And so at the time. And he's like, so, you know, we got – homeboy over here that's just tiny and he's just not he he can't do that and he snaps great but then we got a homeboy over here that doesn't snap that well but he could go be a he could go be a backup lineman but that he's like but Lee you kind of have all the qualities to be able to do that he's like you could really possibly do that in NFL um but my elbow just never healed back you know and I I just couldn't you know it hurts so bad like to this day people like hey snap me a ball and I'll God, if I've had like a whiskey, I'm like, sure. And then I like about pass out when I snap because it just hurts. Wow. <laughs> but wow. yeah, but it was like, it was like I came to a point where I said, okay, I did it. 
I'm not going to sit here and try to force this issue anymore. Besides, the other humongous passion, the depths of me in my life is music. And so when I visited Nashville, it all just kind of came like clear to me that this is what I was supposed to do with my life. You know, when you mentioned that for your first full day being September. 11, yeah, that must have. <laughs> it was crazy. My um, so I had been there that summer. Now, this was something that my daddy was a little bit like when I called daddy at, after spring break and said, all right, so um, I'm not going to go back to school. I had a year left mm-hmm. civil engineering degree. Um. I said, so I don't think I'm going to go back to Clemson and finish. I think I'm just going to move to Nashville. This is where I'm supposed to be. Now, granted, they supported me my whole life. I was writing songs mm-hmm. all since I was 10 years old. They they, uh, they heard me my whole life. I'm sitting there writing songs in the stairwell, and I'm writing on the piano, and I'm playing my guitar all along for just hours and hours and hours. And there would be times when I was supposed to be at school or we'd be leaving it for church and I'd, something would hit me and I'd be in the bathroom and because I liked how it sounded to like, you know, right, sing in the, the bathroom, you know, the echo when I was a kid. And I'm like, no, I can't go. I, I got this idea. And I'm in the middle of this moment. I can't. I cannot leave right now. So they got it and they supported me so much. I sang a lot in church and um, and so... So they would let you finish? Like they wouldn't make it get in that car right away? Yeah, there you- was a couple times they were like, Okay, but like we got, I'm like, okay, just give me five more minutes, you know, just because I'm get, thinking, I got this moment, well, like, right? Yeah, <laughs> do I you mean, stop the process. Do you? So, um, uh, it was just a, it was a moment. So I called Daddy. I was like, hey, so I'm gonna, I'm not gonna go back to Clemson and finish. And he goes, do what? You know, because they've been helping me get through college, you know, and and uh, you know, parents, you know, and they didn't have a lot, you know, Daddy's mm-hmm. business was doing a lot he was building had grown it pretty big by then and he was doing all right but you know college is a whole different thing when you're trying to support a kid in college and and uh uh so it was a little hard for him to swallow at first but he uh supported me said all right he said he kind of looked at it more like well all right well well, you can give it a year you know and in my mind i was like i'm not giving it a year this is what i'm gonna do period but i'm like all right no (laughs) okay (laughs) whatever so i moved to nashville and they had come up so they came up at the end of that summer and they came up they co-signed on on an apartment for me and we went to like you know the furniture store and got like a couch and a coffee table and a little bed and you know a little tv and they helped me just get my little apartment set up and they so they stayed there that night, and they were going to go back home the next day. And so when we woke, Daddy woke me up. Actually, I had a write that morning scheduled at like you know, ten or eleven o'clock. And Daddy woke me up and said, hey, "Son, come come in here." And like the buildings were coming down. So it was like my first official day in Nashville. I had been there that summer, you know, mm-hmm. kind of staying in different places. Um, but it was um, it was a surreal thing, you know, that that happened. And uh, I actually went in for the write that day, and the lady I was writing with was one of the first people I ever wrote with in Nashville. So we, you know, we talked a lot, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't even think we ended up writing. We ended up just talking a good bit that day. But, um, but yeah, so uh, that was the start of a uh, my whole career there in Nashville. So what happened next? <laughs> how was how was that that whole journey? Uh, and I mean, did you were there things that you pulled from from 
this whole sports yeah. side of you, right? <laughs> like, what what did you find to help well, grind it out? Well, so, you know, um, I got really fortunate um, when I first went there, even that summer before I moved there officially, and I had met Doug Johnson. And he, Doug Johnson, he ran record labels. He was a writer, uh, big-time writer. He was a big-time producer. Um, he's done he'd done just about everything in the music industry. And when I first kind of went up there for even that spring break visit, um, I had met him because the girls, we were staying with these girls actually at their place and sleeping on the couch. And they were like, well, play us a song. So I played them something like, you got to meet my boss, you know? And then, so their boss was, um, Lisa Hensley at the time. And she's now Lisa Johnson. And they were, so she would, and then when I played, I went into our, her office for the first time. Uh, and, uh, and it was supposed to be like a 15 minute meeting and she was, she was so sweet and so nice. And she said, well, play me a couple songs, you know, you know, walking into an office in Nashville to play some songs for somebody. I'm thinking, okay. So I'll play a couple songs and she just like, it's just, you know, wide eyed and like, and like turns her phone off and says, play me another one, play me another one. <laughs> so I was in there for like an hour and a half playing songs. Wow. And she's like, you have got to meet Doug. And so that night I went to this, thing that we call a writer's round mm-hmm. it's the first one i'd ever seen you know and she, she said come meet us at you know five o'clock whatever we're gonna go over to to this writer's round and i walked in and and uh doug was over there drinking a jack and coke smoking a cigarette and it's this dark dingy place and there's these three writers on stage and one of them sang a song and i was like holy crap i'm like I'm just going to pack my stuff and go home now. Cause it was just Why? like, it was just so good. It blew me away. And, but then like the next guy sang a song and I was like, well, maybe I can, uh, maybe I can do this. <laughs> if he's up there, uh-huh. maybe I can do this. And what then, was so intimidating about that first person's well, performance? It was, it wasn't, it was a little bit the performance too, but there's, there's some, uh, great, I mean, the greatest songwriters in the world in Nashville. Okay. I mean, there are so many songs that, and, and it's a little bit different kind of now, the songs you hear. Every now and then you'll hear a song that really um, that really kind of blows your mind. But most of the time right now in, in the industry, it's about the track and if it feels good and if radio's playing it a bunch, and if they happen to be young and popular or whatever it may be. But it used to be this song, like the songs that you'll never forget, you know, which is what I still try to stick to, which is kind of a hard path to follow. Um, but th- that's what it was. I mean, one of them was there. Chris Wallen, he, he sang this song uh, called Country Song Backwards, I think it was. But Rascal Flatts had cut it. And, and it was this amazing display of putting words together. And then they did it in reverse. The whole song was basically done in, in reverse time. And it was just this... And then, you know, uh, Anthony Smith got up there. He was the other guy up there, and he made me want to go home, too, because he's singing these songs. It just blew my mind, okay, just how they were written, how perfect they were uh, with just them and a guitar. You know what I mean? There's no track around. There's no drummer. There's none of that. There's just them and a guitar. And, uh, and so um, I went and met Doug the next morning. Um, we talked that night a little bit, you know, and just listened to music. Well, the next morning he said, well, come to the office in the morning. So I came in the next morning, 
to meet him for the first, like really sit down with him. And, um, it was, a it was giant records, uh, and they had closed down and he, he was still using an office there. It was right behind Curb Records, actually across the street, which is where I'm at now, which yeah. is where I've been since for going on 20 years now. But he uh, he was in there with his coffee, smoking a cigarette. She says, "All right." She says, "Listen to this. I wrote this yesterday." I go, "Okay." And he plays me like three wooden crosses, and I go, "I'm like flabbergasted." You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. "Are you kidding me? You wrote mm-hmm. that yesterday?" And I'm like, man, so again, I'm thinking, I just need, maybe I do need to go home. Cause I, I don't, I don't know if this, is, if I'm, I, you know, he's like, he's like, well, I'll play me something. So I played him a couple, I played him a song I wrote called Carolina Boys. And he goes, oh, okay. So he plays me another song and he makes me play him a song. And we sit there, and play songs for each other for a couple hours. And he goes, and that was the day, this is that spring break. That's when he actually said, Lee, look, he said, I, I know you're, you got a year left in college. He's like, and I've worked with a lot of people in this town for a lot of years. He's like, but this is what you were put on this earth to do. He's like, so wow. He's like, I know he's like, I can see my son calling me and telling me what I'm about to tell you. And I don't know how I would take it. He's like, but you need to be here now, like right now. And so that's when I called daddy and I, so I went there through that summer and, uh, and me and Doug wrote all summer. So he kind of taught me kind of some of the, I'd never co-written before. I'd always written songs by myself, you know? What's it? Hold on. So backing up for a second. Okay. When someone tells you something like that, right? (laughs) Well, it was, yeah. And you you leave the, you know, I don't know if you walked out of the room or what, but I mean, what was going through your mind? It was like, it was, it was a little like, wow. I mean, that was easy. You know, I got a producer slash record label runner, writer going, hey, he, and because he, he also said, look, you you need to be here now and I will put everything that I have in in my, I, I will be here for you and you will be, um, I'll take you wherever I go. Um, and he, I, so it was like, oh, well, okay. So I did it. You know, I came to Nashville. Now I'm. He's like, and so he eventually, within a year, he was over at Curb Records, and he, you know, took me over there, and so I had a record deal within a year, and I was writing songs with some of the people that I grew up loving, hearing their songs. Mm-hmm. I wrote all these Garth Brooks songs, and all these big, humongous songs that I grew up going. I'm going. I'm writing with these people every day. I'm writing. I'm learning. I'm writing. I'm writing. I'm writing. You know, get up in the morning, and I'd write not one or two. I sometimes I'd write three times a day with three different writers. And, and when you're co-writing with someone, you started to go into. I mean, what is that like? Is it's it well, that's tough? different. You know, it's it was. I went in first of all. I was more, and I think when I first went in, I I was always very strong with like you know bringing in kind of musical, cool musical things and like melodies and 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 maybe feelings and ideas and titles. Um, and then I was a good editor. So like as we're bouncing back and forth with lyric and stuff. I might not have known exactly what to say, but I always knew in those younger days, I always knew if it was what we were, what we had, what we had on paper at the moment was right or not. I knew if it was magic or not because, and I guess all I did was compare it to what the bar was in my mind. You know what I mean? The bar was, well, if it's not as good as this song that this kind of reminds me of, then it ain't good enough yet. So we got to keep working until we find it 
we have until we make it that good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're not going to settle for well, it's good. It's good enough because good enough is not good enough. It's got to be because the every because there's a thousand other people in town writing a song that day too. You know right. what I mean? Right. It's just like football. There's a thousand other people fighting for your position. There's a there's a thousand other people that love to be in your spot. They might there if so. That's one of the big things I took from sports. And and even just the songwriting world is that, you know, going that extra mile. And that's a humongous part of what I do now in my songwriting. And that's why I don't even get deep into a song unless I know I can see the picture in my head of exactly how great it can be. And, um, and then I just do not stop. Even if we say write a song in a day, um, I don't ever say the song is finished until it's printed on a record and sent out to the world because, you know, you can always make it a little bit better. I mean, you know, and I guess to a certain point, um, there were a few writers that I got to know. So I started learning about the great songwriters in town and their names and how they wrote. And I was studying and I wanted to be the best, you know, just like I wanted to be the best at everything else I did in my life growing Mm -hmm. up, you know, in sports. I, I wouldn't want to just be on the team. I wanted to get out there and kick your butt, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I, I started to realize there was a few people in town. So there's a lot of people in town who wrote 300 songs a year, which is what I was doing. Kind of a numbers thing. Just get in there and just pound out songs all the time. Cause that's what you just got to get a bunch of songs. And that was a good thing to strengthen that like muscle, that mind muscle, you know, that songwriting muscle. Um, but then I also learned and figure out about a people like Hugh Presswood and like Joe Henry and Carrie Kirk Phillips that would like write maybe 12 songs a year but you can bet your bottom dollar that all 12 of those songs would blow your mind with just them and a guitar every word every nuance every little melody every little thing about it would be absolutely mind-blowingly perfect and bring you to tears make you happy just just i mean so and then i could start i saw the difference and those kind of songs and some of the songs that I was writing. Now, I got, you know, when you're writing a bunch of songs, you reach up into there one day and you might, you'll write a good song. You get good at it, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. You can be good any day, every day, all the time. But it's every now and then there's that magic was in the air, you know. And so a song would come out, uh, whether it was personal or whatever, and, you know, Crazy Girl would pop out, you know. And yep. it becomes a song of the year. And so I had some success early on at that. But... That wasn't for the fact of me um, necessarily going the extra mile, but I feel like uh, these days and back then, at least even as an editor, I was like, "Man, it's just not good enough yet." <laughs> I had a couple writers go, "Well, dadgummit! I mean, if it's well, then tell me what it is." I'm like, "Well, I don't know what it is. I just know that what we have ain't good enough yet." <laughs> right. So, and I'm just this kid, and they've been writing songs for thirty years, you know. But they like that actually. So, as I got to know these writers over the years and it started to go Lee you know the first times you came in I always wanted to write with you again because every time we wrote a song we ended up with something really special and and I started realizing that that you were such a great editor and you always obviously you always brought in the singing and like playing and guitar and cool vibes and stuff but I didn't realize how how much a part of the lyric that you were just by making sure, making pushing everybody else in the room mm-hmm. to be better, um, and, and that that's the key too. And, you know that you hear 
so often in sports, yeah, right? And yeah. especially, you know, that, that quarterback or whatever that makes everyone around him. It, it is. And it, and it can be, and it can be just on a team saying everybody's, you know, you just make everybody better because you, you either are, or you portray to be, look, we are going, we're not going to be just this level. We're going to be the next level. We're going to go the extra mile. And then sometimes it's that competition thing where it's, just say if it's quarterbacks or if it's linebackers. Well, there's only going to be two of you out there inside linebackers, but we got eight of us right here on the team. So who's going to be the two out there? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that drives you to be better, and so and to go the extra mile, work harder, do the extra lap, you know, <laughs> to run the extra stairs, come in early, you know, watch the extra film. I mean, all that stuff is such a correlate. I mean, it's, it all correlates so tight together to me. And there's really zero difference in it for me. I, in fact, sometimes I, we were talking about Cody earlier. Cody's my, the, the kid that's my engineer, you know? A 25-year-old. Which I yeah. guess I guess is kind of on that like <laughs> millennial, almost on the millennial thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Now, he came from a good family, you know, and like, and he, <laughs> and he like, he works so hard, but. So I had to catch myself sometimes because I'll work from, I mean, I'll work sometimes to a detriment to myself. I'm like, I'll work myself to exhaustion because I, I have to squeeze it in and I have to get it done because when I get home, I want to have the time with the kids and blah, blah, blah. But, right. Because you I'll, said you, I mean, you do that because you <laughs> built it all to, to take care of it on the road, right? So that I can right? get it on the Which road. amazing. So I, but, yeah, so the, I can get it done on the road so when I come home, I can have the time mm-hmm. with the kids. I don't have to go back to a studio. Well, anyway, so... We get to working, and sometimes I have to slow down and go, all right, I don't want, like, Cody to, like, just keel over right, right, right in front of me, you know, <laughs> or, like, have a mental breakdown because I'm sitting here. But I've gone through some things that have made you so mentally tough. You know, when you're going through a walk-on program or any – just even just workouts in a D1 school, those kind of things, preseason, that kind of stuff is brutal. I mean, it is, and it is, you, it is not just a physical thing. You have to mentally be able to push your body past where, you know, you have any thought that it can go. What's it, what do you remember? Like, what's an example oh, of man. that that well, was so grueling? There's a, there's a bunch, but I remember one, one time, I mean, this is when I really knew they were just trying to, they were just really trying to make you, they wanted us to hate them and just leave. They were like trying, <laughs> I think their job as walk-on coaches was to make you leave, like to make you leave. They checked the box. That and one's so out. So we were there every morning on this walk-on thing. We were there every morning at, I think it was 4.30, every morning. Wow. And because we had to be at class at 7.30, you know? Yeah, gotcha. So... And so this is, we, we did this through the wintertime. I remember one morning we got there and it was, you know, it's dark and it's wet and it's cold. And the first thing we did at 4.30 in the morning was go out to the field where it was frozen. The ground was frozen and it was frost on the ground. It was, it was frozen, hard, hard, hard frozen ground. And they're like, all right, you know, crab crawls on your hands, on your feet, down and back, Go. A <laughs> hundred yards down, a hundred yards back, oh and this is and like so when oh. you're growing, I remember thinking, okay, well it's cold, and then your hands kind of start to burn, and then they go numb, and then they just there's just pain, this deep rooted pain, and like but you can't stop because they're like you just want to take your hand off the ground. You're sitting there crawling, you either go faster and you pretend, you know, you're trying to get through it. And it's just a mental no, no, your hands are gonna be on that ground. 
you know, and so it's like to the point of they'd push you to, you know, obviously, you know, football is a – even in, you know, like the summertime right before the season starts, you get out there, they had oxygen mask out because, I mean, they'd push you in that heat. You know, you we get sick, you know, you mm-hmm. all kind of stuff. And so – but it would be funny because I'm in, in the weight room, you know, you'd push yourself to the point of, well, you get sick, there's a trash can over there, and then you're back yeah. over doing more reps immediately. Right, right. You know what I mean? <laughs> so you have to mentally be able to like – that's a that's a, a thing that they're training your brain to be mental too, toughness, mm-hmm. mental toughness. Uh, and that way you can push through just about anything and then more. Um, you know, it's kind of like Navy SEAL stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like they push them for the, a reason so that when they get into a situation, there is no, well, I give up. There just is no give up. You just figure out a way, your brain. And so that is that is so, so pushed over into my, you know, not, we were talking about songwriting earlier, but like as an artist, you know, I've, I've been on a really, uh, different and tough road you know i've 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 had success and i'm so thankful for it and I'm, I'm still thankful for it but it's been a struggle since day one you know what i mean um and so when you when i got discouraged and i'm you know I, we were in a van for five years with my band pulling a u-haul trailer so all around crazy. the country it's crazy know? about that because i'm going back to the meeting you had in the office <laughs> yeah right where he's yeah. like call your dad and you're I'm done like, and i'm like i'm good i know yeah, and years. then okay so wait a minute so now okay so, so yeah, now well, i'm in a van with, with <laughs> right. you know struggling to get a single up the charts you know visiting up at six in the morning visiting three radio stations a day and in two different states, playing a show all night long, then driving through the night, then getting up and, and playing for a radio station the next morning, and their listeners, like at 7 o'clock, with no voice, and then going to lunch with another radio station down the road, and then going to dinner with another radio station down the road, then doing a show that night, and then continuing on and on and on, packing our own gear, loading it out, loading it in every single night. Um that'll wear on you after a while, you know? More now, so luck- than the, now, those luckily, luckily, my band that I had, that I kind of sort of started out with, other than my bass player, because I found him a couple of years in. Um, uh, he was in the van with us for the last couple years. But the first couple years, uh, that was the only part we didn't have nailed down. But they, but everybody in my band is still in my band today. Today, other than that. Wow. Okay. And um, they they just had four of them just had their eleventh year anniversary with me on the road, and they weren't millennials. <laughs> they knew about. Look, we just we got a job. We're gonna work. We all they all pushed through with me. You know, we took turns driving. And so I've got a lot of respect. They're like my brothers. I mean, these guys are, um, uh, you know, but they're now it's kind of funny. It's like, you know, we had our days, we're in the vans, we're playing in the bars, we're partying mm-hmm. and just having fun. And now we're, and we're all married with kids. And they now, because I was the one with kids, right? First. And Which then, is probably helpful. Yeah, Seth, definitely. Right? Definitely. And then, and then, so then like now, then, you know, so Donnie's got two now and, Reggie's got one, and with you know, and like uh, Paul's got one. They got one on the way. So now they're starting to get like when I'm going, guys. Seriously, I don't think y'all understand. Like I just want to not do nothing today. Like I just want to <laughs> stop. 
uh, but uh, but so it's it's really cool. But but yeah, those those early days were again uh, that mental toughness of being because you either can grind like that and you can push through, or you can't. You know, and some people are cut out for it. There's a lot of people who got a record deal and went out on the road and realized they're like, oh, I want to be a singer. So they go get a record deal and then they get on the road and they realize the work that is involved in. I mean, the singing part's the easy part. That's 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 the 70 minutes a night, you know, yeah. a day. It's the all the other stuff that's like the, the hard part and all the preparation, all the work. Do you ever consider throwing in the towel? I mean, oh, was there ever man. a moment that you came close or that you thought, I don't you know, know if I not, go on. not really. I mean, I, you know, I just never, you know, like, and I, like I said, that kind of goes back to daddy. I always say, well, you can try it for a year. Well, it was seven years. Uh, I signed my record deal in 2001 when I left Clemson. Uh, I didn't have a record out until I didn't hit my first single didn't come on the radio until 2007. And the record didn't even come out. That same record that that song was on because they were going to wait till a song got to the top you know, top 10 to put a record out. Mm -hmm. So I put out three or four or five singles that only got to top 30. So they still wouldn't put the record out. So I didn't have a record out until 2010, three years later, after I had waited seven years to get a single out. So you're talking, I've been there 10. I mean, it was just a, it was a long time and a lot, a lot of grind. And I see a lot of the other folks that came to town when I did and they're just blowing by me because you know there's some different different labels work different ways I was at a smaller label and uh, they were having issues and within and within their own things and problems with other artists that that just really took away from what I was trying to do and so it put a damper on you know and, and a real hindrance on my singles and what I was getting done but we finally had uh, love like crazy was like you know most played song of the year, you know, on 2010. And so they put the record out finally. What was that moment for you where you were like, that was pretty cool. You know, I got my first record out, but then I realized, okay, so with a record release, (laughs) here comes going to New York for a week and doing press and da, 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 da. And like all the other stuff that comes along with that. Um, uh, and more and more and more interviews and more and more people and meet and greets and more people that, that want to see you and want to. So then that started that process of learning. And so now it's like, okay, uh, at this point I've got three kids and I've got, I got to go, okay, well I can't do that show because I, I, I this is a holiday that I've, I've had blocked to be with the family. Or if I'm at a show they're like, well, Lee, you're gonna be going all day. We're gonna do, we're gonna do, we got media all day long, and then we're gonna do a dinner, and then we're gonna have a show. So it's, and then you got a 125 people meet and greet, um, you know, before the show, uh, you know. So it gets, it's get, it gets grueling even now. It's like, so what? You, how'd you balance that? I mean, what'd you do? Well, so that's kind of why I, uh, you know, because I was then coming home and making records and stuff when I was home. So I'm like, well, now I'm never seeing the family. Because when I am home, I'm working. So that's why I start, I built a studio on the bus a couple of years ago. So that I can get out on the road and just grind it out there. Bring a couple. In fact, um, today, I'm leaving today. Um, we just redid the studio. Got a new bus. I was moving buses two days ago. Uh, I got a new bus. I've been in this one bus for like seven years. It's like rattling down the road now. We put like 500,000 miles on it. So... Um, 
I'm uh, I'm moving buses. Today will be our first run, and I've got two riders coming out. We'll get out there tonight. We'll ride all after all night on the bus. On the bus because I've got gear and guitars, and I mean the the Pro Tools, everything you would have in any other studio is right there on my bus. Mics and all the stuff. And it's a creative space. It's for a creative, you. and it's a cool. And this newer bus is kind of creative. It's all like barn wood out and da 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 da. So it's kind of it's kind of vibey like this room, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Except it's not painted white. But anyway, um, <laughs> which is a great decision, by the way. I love this. Yeah. I'm, but um, this and so we'll do that, ideas. and we'll work hard, and we'll I'll come back, and I will be because yes, we'll work right up until meet and greet. Then I'll go meet at least seventy five people, and then I'll do a ninety minute show, and then we'll get back straight onto the bus, and we'll record until two or three or four or five in the morning. Oh my. God, and then we'll get up. Is... At, we'll get up at you know ten, eleven, and start writing again. Uh-huh. And we'll write all the way up until meet and greet, which will be six, seven, eight o'clock. Then play the show. Then do that. So it's gonna be three days of that. And then when I come home on Sunday, when I wake up on Sunday, I'll be there with the family. But then that means the Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday that I'm home, I get to be home. You know Without I mean? any obligations. With no obligations to go to the studio mm-hmm. or to go write a song or to go sing a vocal on something because I just did it the last three days. It was a grind, but I'd rather get it done there so that when I do get home, I can come out here to the farm. I can take the boys and we can go, you know, ride their four wheelers and we can we can go fishing and we can go hunting. You know, dove season just came in. You know, it's just <laughs> when we showed up here, you were taking care of some buzzards. Yeah, that were getting your yeah. Fish. These, old, these old buzzards are trying to get my fish. <laughs> they don't like turn, turn fish eaters into fish food. But um, yeah, it it uh, just it's good to have that family. I have to have the family time now. How did you if, meet your wife? Did- <laughs> Actually, I was in uh, I was in Clemson. And, uh, uh, I mean, I, no, I wasn't in Clemson when I met her, but I was, I was at Clemson. So I was in college and it was during the summer. I worked at this Christian camp for my summers in between, uh, in between, you know, semesters and stuff. So during the summers, I worked at this camp that I went to my whole life. I ended up being a staffer there for like eight years. And now that was a whole, that was a whole nother grind, you know? And uh, so, but uh, we went on a retreat every year at the end of the summer with all the staffers because it was a, a long, hard summer, but they were great, amazing experiences. We went on a little retreat to like North Myrtle Beach, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and so I remember one night, you know, we were kind of walking down the beach, kind of, you know, looking to see if we could see some ladies, you know, where, and, uh, but it was a rainy night, um, kind of a drizzly night and so nobody was on the beach, much less girls. So we got like four dudes just walking down the beach, kind of going, oh, well, got nothing else, nothing else to do, you know. And uh, but this one person was walking by, and they walked by, and this girl walked by, and she had like this big sweatshirt on, and like hair was down, kind of in her face, and she walked by, and I was like, I was like, she looked kind of pretty. So I was like, all right, boys, if she turns around, I said I'm gonna go talk to her. So. I turned, I looked back a little bit, and so I saw her turn around. So it's kind of funny. So I go, all right, she turned around, boys. I'm going to go talk to her. So I go over there, and by the time I got up to her, she had kind of walked, took a beeline kind of to the beach and kind of just plopped down on the sand. And I went and asked her, could I sit beside her? She said, yeah. So I sat down. And uh, about that time, she kind of 
she kind of pulled her hair back and like looked over at me, you know, and I saw her face like really for the first time. And I was like, holy crap. Like, I had no <laughs> idea. Like this girl was like stunning, you know? And, uh, and so I was like, wait a minute. So can <laughs> wait, I go, minute, I'm, I'm going like... to need some backup here. So <laughs> do you, can I, can you stay right here for a second? So then I like, sprint like 300 yards down the beach to where my truck was because that's where my guitar was no oh this is and i great. go grab my guitar and i come sprinting back down please still be there please still be there please still be there i show back up she's like oh you got a guitar awesome sit down you know so i sit back down i'm like you know so i'll play her like a couple songs on a wonderful tonight and a couple things things that i wrote and we just talked for a while and then i ended up walking her back to like she was staying with her aunt and stuff and it was like a mile walk back to her place i walked her back and then i think i gave her a kiss on her cheek and uh and said goodbye and i got her number and uh that was it (laughs) well so the funny part is so i ended up getting back in touch with her and i went and visited her in ohio she was from ohio okay okay we met on myrtle beach but it was funny because i'll tell that story i went to go tell that story one day and she's like you know i'm like yeah i told the boys i was like if she turns around and looks like i'm gonna go sit down beside her and she said, yeah, when I passed you, I want to make sure y'all weren't coming back and, like, going to, like, come, like, you know, kidnap me. I mean, I just, four <laughs> dudes just walked by me. Why do you think I look back? I'm like, oh, well, thanks. So then we sit down, and I'm thinking, I'm like, all right, go get, get my guitar. And she's like, oh, gosh, so, like, this guy's going to come out. He's going to be bad. I'm going to have to sit here and pretend to, like, and listen, listen and, and right. be nice. She's like, but what if he comes back with, like, an axe? And, like, she's, like, all freaking out. <laughs> she's like, this is all the stuff that's going through her mind, right, as I'm thinking, this girl's over here. I've got to go over here and impress her, like, be, you know. And so it's funny to think about what our two minds were thinking on that night we met. But she did say, she said, but then when you started singing, she's like, it was like, she was like, wow, like this is special. And then she's like, then you walk me back and you didn't like try to like, you know, mm-hmm. try anything or da 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 da. And it was so sweet. And so that was, that was our meeting, you know, of all the nights, you know, in the rain on the beach. That's such a romantic. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's like, what a move. <laughs> what a move. I was like, whoa, I'm going to need some more ammunition for this. I'll be right back, 300 yards sprinting down the beach, sweating. That's so convenient, <laughs> Lee Bryce. Um, so what was it like for you guys, for, for you and her and your family, when, when you really hit it and you knew that, okay, I've, you know, quote unquote, arrived. Yeah. How did that change? And what was that fame like? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's a little, the fame is, it's not really ever what I was looking mm-hmm. for. I just loved writing songs and singing. I love singing for people. I just loved it. Um, uh, and so the fame, it's not like I, I really mind. It's, it's every now and then it's, it's a little irritating when you know, you got your food almost in your mouth, like your fork, and you're like, and somebody taps you, "Hey, can I get a picture?" And you're like, "Yeah, let me just put my food back down, like on the fork." <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe wait till after I finish eating. But no, but yeah, that hadn't been a big deal. But the but the big the hardest part is just being gone because mm-hmm. she knew what I was doing when we got when we we didn't get back together till ten years later. I mean. 2000 when i went on my first radio tour 2007 um we were happened to be going through youngstown which is where she mm-hmm. was and i call i happened i remembered her number in my head no way and i called her mama's house and she was still there and um and she came and i hadn't seen her in 
Like I had gone and visited her like that same year when I met her. So it had been a long, long this time. This is a movie. You realize okay? that. I mean, and, you come back through town, right. you remember. Well, I came her through number. town and I'm That's like, look. Amazing. And I we I had I had called her like a couple of times in college and we just kind of were like, over over the phone there was something magic there. And 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 it, but it had really been a long time and I dated, you know, some girls for, you know, long periods of time and but I wasn't dating anybody and I went up there and I was like, hey, you you should come visit. You know, like I'm gonna be at this restaurant with this radio station. She's like, oh well, I know that that Dave Steele. She, she's just Dave Steele was a guy at the radio station, one of the DJs, and um, uh, so she came and met us. And like, it was one of those other moments. Whenever like I opened the bus door, because this at the time, the state the the label had taken me out on a tour bus to do a, the radio tour. You know, go meet all the radio stations three a day. Well. She walks, there she was standing there, and I was like blown away. I mean, she was just still so stunning, you know, 10 years later. She was 18 when I met her, you know, and she's now 27 or whatever it was, or, and, um, or 25, but, and, uh, Cody's age. Yeah, Cody's <laughs> age. And, uh, so we had, it was kind of a, almost like a, I mean, I, I was kind of ignoring the radio people that night because I was, just couldn't get over it. Like, Sarah, you know, I just couldn't get over it. And uh so that was it was really special being able to see her and like having that other that's when we reconnected, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh and then uh we had we had Dakota. Uh and then we got married and then we had Riker and then we had Truly and so the hardest part has been she knew that I was doing what I was doing that I was going to be on the road a lot. That's that's what I do, you know. I don't think she realized necessarily how hard it would become, especially, and I didn't either when kids come along. And so now she's not only kind of alone when I'm gone, at least she's got the kids now, but now she's got three kids she's juggling mm-hmm. by herself. We don't have family in Nashville. Okay. My parents are all down in South Carolina. Her parents are all, you know, all her people and her aunts and stuff are up in Ohio. So we're just here. And so she, you know, it's, that's been the biggest task is and so again kind of comes back to figure it out let's figure it out so i just grind it out on the road so that when i'm home um you know i can be home you know like i'll leave here as soon as we finish this and i'll mm-hmm. go straight to the house and i'll spend you know three or four more hours with her and truly as much as i can possibly get in and then i'll just head to the bus and then i'll hit right back at the writing and i'll hit it for three days you know, it's so it's, interesting. It is. And it's, it's, and you know, we talk about sports and how it correlates and it just, it just all really does from the right, from songwriting and, and the extra effort you put in to make a song go from good to great, mm-hmm. you know, or, you know, from perseverance, like in a career that's, that's like, again, I could have written maybe some down the middle of the road songs is not going to matter ever you know, a year from now, much less 10 years from now. I want to write songs that's going to matter 10 years from now, 30 years from now. That's what my goal is. But that's also a hard right now, especially a really hard line to walk because, you know, everything is so just pop, you know, pop, popular music, just, you know, make it sound good and that radio will play it. Um, but the songs aren't there a lot of the times. About 90% of the songs out there are just good they're okay but it's all about the track and all about how it feels um 
and uh, I, I want to. My goal is to on this next record that I'm working on now is to meet both of those worlds. You know, I you know musically, I've that's always been a strong suit for me, and I've been producing my own records since I started. You know, and um, so I want this one to have all the stuff, all the bells and whistles, and all the cool stuff that the kids want to hear. But I but I want the songs to say something that means something. I want the songs to to wrap up in ways that kind of blow your mind. Like, you know, you're like, oh, whoa, that was cool. Right. You know what like, I mean? Where, where you, you go, can't oh, get out of your car because you're right, bawling your right. face off. Like with yes. Boy, we talked yes. about that. <laughs> Which is totally different, by the way, when you hear that and you're not a mom and then all of a sudden you are. And <laughs> it's, you know, <laughs> yeah. once you have kids, man, it is over. It's and, over. And commercials yeah. and Folgers commercials. Oh, God. And stuff is, from the freaking 80s that is, I can't is, watch around Christmas time. What is that, that one commercial? Uh, I can't. The one where the sun comes home. No, not that one. It's like I think it's the insurance commercial. (laughs) In this old house. Da, 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 da. Oh, the one this, where they go through all the years of yeah, growing up. Yeah, and the girls yeah, crying, the girls crying, the girls crying, and then like <laughs> they get married, and then the daddy's crying. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, yep, yep. I can't take it. But that's it. so. <laughs> the first time I talked to you, we talked about a that a little bit, me. right? You well, know so what I mean? and you've, I feel like you're someone you you have just you do that so wonderfully. Uh, and we talked about how you know knowing you and the and the perception of you know the big burly guy, the oh, athlete, yeah. right? And yeah. then you you do these songs, and it's like the the well, talent you have to do that and to come up with those moments and put people in those, I mean, that is incredible. Well, I feel like it. I was naturally, I was really got any all that honest. I mean, when I when I was, the first musical influences on me were, you know, my mama and daddy singing in church, and like when they sang, you know, they were trying to convey a message, you know, and like even mama, to, she could sing like a bird, but oh wow! But sometimes in church, you know, she would stop singing and like talk a verse if she felt like that's what she needed to do to communicate that song, what it was saying, so that you could really take in what she was saying. Then she would, and it was still magic. And so, I grew up loving that kind of stuff, and I loved hearing people really sing. You know, what I mean those those gospel groups that my daddy listened to growing up, the the, key, the Cathedral Quartet and the Gaither Vocal Band and the Kingsmen and all and the Gold City. These are all gospel quartets that I just kind of mm-hmm. I just named off, and they they would just sing, sing, you know. And I loved to sing, sing, you know, Vince Gill and Whitney Houston and Boys to Men, and like you wouldn't think that I'd be the guy that was listening to that growing up. But I was. And even like when I got introduced in high school to like, you know, Guns N' Roses and stuff like that, you know, Pearl Jam and, you know, Hank Jr. and all that stuff, you would you would think that's like, oh, well, you got into rock and this and that and and but my favorites would still be November Rain, you know, oh, from yeah. from them or such a great video. You know what I mean? Or black or something from mm-hmm. from Pearl Jam or or like blues man to this day is like one of my favorites from Hank Jr. And it's just a ballad. And I'm just a singer, a natural. And it's like Sarah's favorite. So I was drawn to the ballads. I was mm-hmm. drawn to the things that made that really did something to you. So yeah, I'm. I, I you know you did not want to like run up on me. You know when I was at inside linebacker, you did not want to be a fullback that game because I was going to hit you every play no matter what. And I back then you know the rule wasn't. 
the rule was like you need to plant your face into their face you know what i mean and like just right. make, hit them hard and they hit you you know what i mean and so the whole helmet to helmet thing wasn't in <laughs> right. it was man to man to get you it know, done yeah, yeah it's gonna hurt either you gonna hurt him or he's gonna hurt you so but and so i, I used to i love to come out on top of those battles you know and so <laughs> I, yes i was i loved the the aggression and like you know i loved mm-hmm. i love the technique you know of football and i love being a being a tough guy, you know, and I love out here on the farm. I'm, 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 a, I'm at home when I'm out here, you know, riding around or teaching them. You know, I love – I see this farm means so much to me because, like, the boys, instead of when they're out here, they don't talk about an iPad or, you know, an, you know or anything or TV or – they just want to go ride. And I remember one, one of my favorite things was – um, I was like, where the boys been for the last two hours? I was in the barn doing something. I go, hey, I yell for him. And I go, yeah, over here. I said, what are y'all doing? We're digging a hole. I was no. like, yes. See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you brought it back to the ditch. You brought <laughs> it back, back to, to the, the ditch. ditch. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it gets them. Uh, I think it's just a, the th- the lessons you learn around a farm. You know, even from learning to drive early, you know, and learning to hook up a trailer and cutting down a tree and, like, chopping it up and, like, you know, cutting stuff and burn barrels and building little things and, you know, whatever it may be, um, they, you just learn so many skills like that. And I think I think a lot of kids these days don't, you know, because they don't – they're not around that much, you know. They uh, – you hire somebody to come in and build something or you hire somebody to come fix something. They've been with me many times whenever, because I was, I grew up an electrician and I remember it was like Thanksgiving day and, and like the disposal or something went out, like a whole circuit or something. And I'm up under the house tracing wires. I got my, you know, I mean, I'm doing all this. It took me like all day. I finally got it all figured out, rewired. Somebody had messed up. I figured it all out. And but my kids were like under the house with me going, man, this is crazy. I'm like, this is a eight feet tall. I was under, I was under you know, building houses like this to where I had to like turn sideways just oh to get gosh. into the old hundred year old Joyce's to like be stuck under it all day long, rewiring a house with my daddy. He's like, go ahead, get on in there. I wouldn't come out. I mean, I would take my lunch in under the house with me because <laughs> it was too hard to get out. You know, once you got out, you're out, you know, <laughs> I'm like, so, well, y'all, this is fun for y'all. There's plastic on the floor. We can walk around <laughs> under here, you know, you're like, you don't easy. know how good you no. have it. <laughs> what? So, so basically, so you're saying you've sort of become your dad, right? Yeah. In a way, Hopefully. showing your kids, right? The, yeah. the stuff that your dad was trying to ingrain in you. You talk about how you want, you know, people to feel in the, those moments that get you in your songs. Yeah. What is is it what are those moments that get you what is and maybe well, that's around a song you've written or maybe it's something completely well different. you know there's a there's a lot of those and like lately it's been it's been you know I, I, my life is the songs i wrote i pretty much tried to i've i've tried to write the truth in the moments of my life so they've you know i've gone through different moments and so these songs have changed over the years and and so like you just said like it's like i don't dance was a humongous part for me because when i was a kid when i was 10 when i said you know what i want to do that i assumed that um whoever was singing on the radio you know they wrote that they wrote that song and they played the guitar and that's just when you're a kid that's just what you assume Mm -hmm. like i did so I was like, well, I better start writing songs. I better start playing guitar. And so I just started teaching myself to do all this stuff. 
And, but my goal was, cause I was a romantic, even when I was then I was in, you know, third grade and I'm just, I was like, gosh, she's so pretty. I just can't wait one day to get married and sing a song that I wrote to my wife and it'd be on the radio and da, 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 da. And like, that's what I wanted. That was like literally my first goal. And I don't dance was, um, the first time that ever came fully true for me. I had had a song that was number one. I didn't write it though. And it wasn't necessarily yeah. about anybody, and then I had one that I did write. It's called Crazy Girl, but it wasn't like about my wife, you know. You know, and so I wrote I don't that dance. That was about your wife. It was. It wasn't right. Yeah, and so I wrote I don't dance specifically for our first dance at our wedding. And well, that just and then and then it gave me chills. Well, 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 then now it, I now I'll never be able to listen to it the same. Well, I wrote it for that, and then somehow that song I wrote it. I produced it by myself. Um, and, uh, and it ended up and it, it was uh, number one on the radio. It was up for song of the year. Um, it, uh, it was up for a Grammy. Uh, and so that was the first time I wrote saying, you know, for my girl and it's on the radio. So it was like, you know, 20, 30 years later, there it goes, you know, it happened. So that was a long time ago. Then. Wow. So that was a real special one for me. But now, then it kind of turned from that to boy. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. Uh, and that that's what gets the feels going, you know? And, it's cause, and now it's truly, I just can't, you know, I, she's like killing me. I mean, it's just like I, I walked out this morning to come here and I just got home like yesterday or two day, a day and a half ago. And she's starting to really love it. Like when I come home, she just clings to me. She wants Your me to daughter. hold her. Yeah, but that's, she just—I uh, had to walk out the door this morning to come here, and she just just square mouth crying. She did not want me to go, and she's one. So that's getting tougher, you know. Um, but I get to go spend a couple more hours with her at the house when I leave here. So. Oh my gosh. And it only gets better, you know, but those yeah. girls, girls are, uh, but it's funny, heard. you know how they say that guys, that, that if you're a mom, you might have a really strong connection to your son and yeah. if you're a oh, dad, yeah. it's with your daughter. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that the truth is somewhere in between because obviously yeah. you love them the same, yeah. but for you, yeah, this, that daughter's got you wrapped a different. little bit. Yeah. My boys, even when they were little, I'm like, I mean, I, you know, you're always, you have this love for any of your kids. It's like, you know doesn't matter what they do, you know, you just have a, a compassion and love for them. But my boys, I'm like, ah, just be tough. You got it. You're good. But, like, when she falls and she, or she gets her feelings hurt because you, she thinks maybe you took something away from her, she, I mean, it's like, oh, come here. It's okay. I got you. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> feel it somewhere down The boys, yeah. I'm like, I ah, just go. If you get hurt, you'll learn. That way you won't do it next time. Oh. You know, with her, I'm like, whoa, 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 don't go over there. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I don't want revisit. you to get hurt. All right. Well, so obviously we need you to go have more time with them. We don't need to keep you any longer. But before you, before you go, what would you say to tie it back? Because I am interested in this. I mean, what would your championship moment be? Mm. Well, well, besides um, the lifelong goal of uh, and the moment that I had with Daddy and Lewis at the national championship two years ago when Daddy – the last time we had a national Lewis championship, is your brother. Lewis is my mm-hmm. younger brother. He's on the road doing music. Um, when Daddy got recruited, he would have been on. He would have been somewhere around that eighty-one team. The only time we won a national championship, um, and so when we were, it was like three seconds left, so and 
And we took a picture, and Daddy's crying and laughing, and I'm crying my balls out and laughing, smiling. Lewis is, we're all, so somebody took a snapshot of us. I'll show it to you, like, in, in a yeah. minute. It's over in the barn. That was a kind of a lifelong sports thing coming back around. You know what I mean? It was. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. It was cool, because I had gotten to go do some stuff with Clemson, official stuff with Clemson mm-hmm. that, that weekend, and did some interviewing on, like, ESPN and some stuff. And so that was a really cool moment for me and daddy and Lewis to be together when, when that happened again, you know what I mean? We won the national championship. So that was big for me, but you know, I've had a lot of moments in, in my musical career in my life that I feel like, you know, were pinnacles, you know, you know, everything from the Grand Ole Opry to singing a song with Garth Brooks that I, my hero, like, you know, musically on his stage that I wrote, mm-hmm. you know, or, there's been a bunch of that stuff, but um, the truth is, I still, I, I still feel like there's so much more to go. Like I still have a humongous goal in my head that I still want to strive for, um, and maybe that comes from just you know I still hadn't won the national championship, you know, in my head of of music, you know. Uh, I've done a lot of stuff and, and I've, I've won awards and I've written songs of the year and that's kind of a pinnacle for a songwriter. When you do that, you win a song of the year. I think that's, you know, that was a pretty satisfying thing. Uh, but I, I, I still feel like I got so much more that I want to do that, that, uh, I think the, the major pinnacles are still to come. What are they? What is it? Well, I mean, I still want to, I still feel like I want to, you know, sell out a stadium. You know, I feel like I want to, um, uh, that's the moment I'm, I'm looking for. And I've been on those stadiums, you know, uh, with, with other folks and, and I, and I've played for 200,000 people and I've done that whole thing and I do it and I love it, but I want it to be, because people love the music that I've, that I've written, I've worked hard to do, and they have to get there to see it. And then they have to get there to see it live. And then, then I get to see, that's another thing about people, they hear the kind of tender songs I have on the radio, and they don't know that when they get to my show, they're going to see the linebacker kicking the footlights out for the, for half of the show, too. They don't know that part of me. Uh and so people get a big surprise when they come there. I think they're kind of like, whoa, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't expect this. And so, uh, uh, you know, I still see that. I want to I want to be in those spaces of, of being selling out those big arenas. And, you know, we've done some arena stuff. We've done all that stuff. But I just still feel like there's a lot more to come. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> and this is awesome. Thank you, Lee. Thank You're you awesome. Thank you so much. Are no, you oh my God. It's been so much fun. Mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> I'm totally inspired by the cottage that we're in right now. I know, in right? The farm, but, you, uh, could, you could tell. You could write songs right in here. There was, there's some, there's some, there's some, uh, yeah, there's some stuff. Mojo Family photos are some good mojo. And especially the, the toddler table <laughs> I know, in the corner. <laughs> That's awesome, too. <laughs> I know. No, but thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. Good luck. Thank with you for having me. And you're welcome. And let's do it again sometime. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. Yes. Cool. All right, man. <laughs> Lee Bryce, truly one of the most interesting guys I've sat down with so far. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. And a special thank you to my guest, Lee Bryce. So much fun to talk to him. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of players. You can find them on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. Pretty please. I'm thankful. Be thankful. It's Thanksgiving. This is awesome. Special thanks to Bob, my producer, uh, Sloan in Nashville.
Angel, whom I love. Thank you to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. I'm going to see you next week. Happy Turkey Day. 